Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Group Director Phil Harrell to discuss what the future holds for B2B sales leaders. If you like what you hear today, check out our B2B Summit North America event in May, where Phil will dive even deeper into the changing sales landscape and what success will require. To learn more about the event, visit 4.com slash summit 2021. That's F-O-R-R.com slash summit 2021. Welcome, Phil. Thanks, Jennifer. Glad to be here. So we on this podcast have talked a lot about how the pandemic and COVID-19 has evolved many pieces of the business. And clearly B2B sellers were, were not immune to evolution here. So can you talk a little bit about what the current environment is for the B2B seller and how the seller's role will evolve? Sure, Jennifer. I mean, this COVID has really accelerated many trends that were already underway. And those trends were driven by the buyer. The buyer clearly today wants to engage with companies digitally before they engage typically with humans to talk about the products. They do a lot of research on their own. And what COVID really did was just accelerate those trends uh, monumentally. And so you, we really got much faster into a more virtual buying experience, complete virtual buying experience than we had uh, prior to the pandemic. So you have a situation now with many organizations that are used to or have been used to selling face-to-face, really relying on that relationship uh, being able to take clients or prospects to lunch or to dinner or to see them face to face to build those relationships are now being required to do that completely virtually because obviously in the age of the pandemic buyers don't want to see uh, salespeople and uh, they, nobody can get together physically so that really has made it difficult for organizations that are used to that face-to-face selling model to adjust and i think what you're going to see clearly in the future is even more of this. The idea that I think some people believe that we'll be going back once COVID is over to the way it was done before, and that's just not going to happen. Buying, I think, has fundamentally, this has fundamentally changed the way buyers buy and the way sellers are going to engage buyers. Now, we believe that in the future, buyers will will be willing to do face-to-face meetings, but fewer than they were before pandemic. And they will be used for the most complex products and complex solutions where there's real value in a face-to-face meeting. For those other types of meetings, those meetings will be conducted like they are today via video or or WebEx or different uh, telecommunications uh, modems to be able to engage with buyers in in that way. So I think that's something is how do face-to-face sellers build personal Uh, interactions and relationships through the use of virtual technologies like video, like audio, like we're doing today, when they've been used to doing it virtually. And that's going to continue in the future. I think the other thing that we're seeing is clearly there's an emphasis on retention and cross-sell and upsell. Certainly net new business is always a priority. But I think with the subscription economy, with buyers more comfortable wanting to buy products on a subscription basis and pay for it as they use it, start small and not buy big, big uh, amounts up front, and then prove that it actually does what it says uh, on the tin, as they say in the UK. This is going to be very important going forward that sellers are going to have to adjust and make sure that it's not just about closing that initial deal. It's making sure that those buyers actually receive the value that they were promised uh, and that you can actually sell them more 
and then retain them and, and grow them. So you, the idea that you have to get these advocates out there in the marketplace talking about how great your, your company is and how great the experience was, was engaging with sellers is going to be very, very, very important. So really interesting time in sales. There's a lot of things that are changing uh, that are impacting sales today, and those are going to continue to change uh, in the future, Jennifer. So with that as a backdrop, Phil, a lot of change, a lot of significant impact, you know, 2021 and beyond and like long lasting changes, right? So like what you're mentioning is not just like a 2021 phenomenon. This is the, the, the start sort of was a tipping point and it's going to accelerate and continue in this direction. Let's combine those dynamics with this notion of hyper-personalized experiences, which is also, I feel like, something we've been hearing and hearing more of. How are sellers navigating those dynamics? How are they delivering, or how well, I should say, are they delivering against that expectation of a more personalized, fast experience? Great question. And I think, you know, to build on what we talked about in the previous question about B2B buyers, they want this hyper-personalized. Think about when you think about in the future and you peer in next five years, think about the generation in terms of Gen Z and the millennial generation, which are increasingly moving into buying, you know, buying roles within companies. In many cases, they're now decision makers, but that's a huge group of people that are digital first. They grew up with digital as an in, a very important part of their lives. And those people will be the buyers increasingly when you're selling to them. Those people will be the buyers. And so what, what have they been used to in growing up in their consumer experience has been very much about getting personalization through, through their websites that they engage with like Netflix or Amazon, be able to get things in a frictionless fashion. And so when you think about that and you kind of move out three or four or five years and you realize this whole group of people who've grown up this way, who are digital first, they're extremely savvy, they're very demanding, they're used to personalization through the websites they engage. Now, those same people are B2B buyers in these companies and decision makers within these companies. What are the implications to how sellers need to engage with these people? Well, it, it means that as a salesperson, as a sales organization, uh, you've got to be very, very good at making sure that you're using the data. So all this data that's being created through the digital footprints that these uh, B2B buyers leave when they're engaging on the website, or they're navigating throughout the web to do research about your products and services, that data has to be used and turned into insights to allow salespeople to engage buyers in the way they want to be engaged. And that means that that personalization, that idea that as a salesperson, you have to elevate your game. It's no longer okay to give that canned demo or to not know when a lead comes in to not really understand what that person is truly interested in and might be interested based on what they did on the web or on the website prior to engaging with that salesperson. And so what that means is, and the implications are that all this data exhaust that's being created, sales organizations have to use that data and turn it into insights and provide those insights to salespeople so the salespeople can anticipate the needs of those buyers and make sure when they're engaging with those buyers, they're sending them the right kind of content for where that buyer is in their buyer's journey, that when the uh, buyer wants something, they can be hyper-responsive and turn that around. Uh, that, for example, in technology, that there are technologies coming out or guided selling, dynamically guided selling that suggest to the salesperson what they should do next to engage with that buyer. So again, the corollary really is the business to consumer world 
The buyers have grown up engaging with those sites that are very good at recommending products, that are recommending uh, the right next action for those buyers to take. And that now is moving into the business to business world. And that means that organizations, sales organizations and general marketing organizations need to do a better job of, of engaging those buyers and personalizing the experience through the first interaction on the website and through the sales experience um, uh, to, to engage those buyers in, in the same kind of way. That's the thinking that um, you, should, you should have as a sales organization leader thinking about how to do that. Now, uh, technology plays an extraordinarily big role here, Jennifer. Uh, obviously, uh, technology is not to replace salespeople. In some cases, it might be. Uh, now that I say that, I mean, look, if there are tra highly transactional products that can be purchased via e-commerce or repeat purchases where you don't need, uh, the buyer doesn't require interacting with a human, to be able to uh, make that purchase, then sales leaders need to be thinking strategically to say, how do I offload that away from my salespeople and allow those buyers to buy that completely uh, frictionless without a human uh, needed so they can just buy it via e-commerce. And there are plenty of products that can be uh, bought and sold in that way. And then how do we free up our sellers to focus on the more complex solutions and the buyers that value their interaction? But even so, those sellers need to be digitally enabled uh, through the use of uh, AI and automation to be able to remove the mundane low value activities that sellers are doing today, like data entry into CRM, for example, and spending a lot of time inordinately on early stage opportunities, for example, and being able to move reps and sellers and customer facing reps to higher value added types of activities where they're working with more qualified buyers. They're not doing data entry. They're spending more time helping that buyer make the right decision for them. So very interesting about the implications of what's happening and the demands that B2B buyers want and how it's changing the way sales organizations need to engage. And it really is requiring sales organizations to up their game in a wholly different way than they had 20 years ago. Yeah, I love that you're sort of doubling down on that point of this should be moving sales and sellers to a more strategic role, right? So let's kind of strip away some of the mundane tasks, the the data entry things that could be handled by automation and then their experience enhanced by AI and other things so that they can deal with the more complex and kind of going back to your level setting question, the retention, the cross-sell, the upsell opportunities that would require additional attention. Yes. And, and, and one thing that's also important as part of this technology, I think sometimes we look at Technology is the panacea, Jennifer, that we believe that we just buy technology and everything's great. Well, we all know that in order to leverage technology, you have to have good processes that have been established, right? Automation is really powerful when there's been really good process definition and governance. And so what sales organizations need to do, again, that's not an area sales organizations have typically been very strong in. So when you think about process or you think about technology, not, those are not two areas that sales has historically been strong. The playbook for sales leaders historically has been hire the best talent out there. We're going to go find the best salespeople we can. We're going to hire them and then we're going to let them do their thing and be successful. And what we're saying and what we see in our research and what we are helping our clients understand is that's no longer good enough. It's no longer good enough. The hero salesperson to hire the heroic salespeople that can close big deals at the end of the quarter and to get you over your number, that won't cut it. That won't cut it today and it won't cut it in the future. And the reason is because buyers are buying smaller. 
you cannot rely on a very small set of reps, maybe 20% of your reps to do huge deals at the end of every quarter to get you the sales leader over your number and for the company to meet its number. What's required is for a broader set of reps to contribute, to be able to have better distribution so that instead of 20% of your reps making their number, you have 80% of your reps contributing and making their number. And in order to do that, you must have much stronger process definition so that you can plug reps into a system that they can uh, learn what they need to and be effective with buyers in order to hit their numbers. It means you have to take technology and on top of that, after you've defined the processes that they need to follow, that you have to automate and use technology to free them up from the mundane low value add activities so they can spend the time that they need to actually selling and not spending time doing internal processes. So it's a very different orientation for a sales leader that has historically been relying on salespeople, just great talent with very little process definition and very little technology investments to switch that and say, the way the world is working now, yes, I still have to have talented salespeople. We're not saying that. But what I need to do is really increase my understanding and investment in process definition and in technology uh, uh, investments that can automate those processes and that reps are following in order to make them extremely much more productive. So the idea is in the future, you have reps who, who are all making their numbers instead of a small set of reps making their numbers. Uh, you have a broad set of reps who uh, obviously that improves employee churn, attrition, uh, morale. It establishes a high performance culture. Uh, and those are really important elements. I feel like this is a perfect segue to talk about what other areas should mind shifts occur, you know, specifically to like, org structure and sales operations and working with other groups across the organization to address these, you know, huge dynamics that sellers are facing today and sales leaders need to address? Great question. There's so many things that have to be addressed. I, I, I think um, one of the most important things is fundamentally sales leaders need to understand that they can't go it alone. That this is this is not the sales organization does it all on their own and will make their number. And that historically has been very much the mindset of sales leaders. Uh, and, and historically, for some reason, it's been that way, that they've had to feel like they had to do everything in order to bring in that number. And what has to change now is realizing the way buyers buy today and their increasing reliance on self-directed learning early in the buying process. Sales leaders need to understand that they need to rely a lot more on their counterparts in marketing, particularly, and in product to support them uh, in the way that they need in order for the sales organization to succeed. So instead of the sales organization thinking, this is all mine, everybody stay out of my way, it's gotta be, listen, I have a partner in marketing and a partner in product, I need them to help me. I know that these the way buying is done today is different fundamentally, that in order to, a lot of the prospecting or the order of the demand that's being generated, buyers wanna do a lot of research on their own, which means marketing has to play a much bigger role in helping engage that buyer early in the buyer's journey uh, to then be turned over to the salesperson. And that the product organization has to be much more in tune with what customers want and buyers want so that those products that they develop will be in tune with what the market and the customers actually want instead of products that won't. So, so I think it's a sea change from a mindset perspective from a sales leader in general, that they have to believe more and understand that they have to align better with marketing and with product in order for them to be successful. So that's one very, very important important shift 
that has to take place in this new or order and the new world going forward in sales. The other thing that I think many other is another big area is, like I said, in the process definition, sales leaders historically haven't been real big proponents, I think, of process and the importance of process. And going forward now, because process is so important, since so much, so much is going to be about process and, and technology investments to aid that talent that you've hired, you've got to make sure sales leaders have invested appropriately in sales operations. So the sales operations subfunction within sales becomes a much more important and strategic and proactive part of the organization to make sure that processes have been defined and are being are, are, are being adhered to and that technology investments have been made in the right area. So that's a huge uh, effort. The third area is sales enablement. And this goes in line along with the idea that, as I said before, that the playbook you know, historically has been hire more salespeople, hire heroic salespeople, uh, just keep hiring bodies. And in, in the new world and the way we want clients to think in the future is you should be investing a lot more in sales enablement and sales operations. The sales enablement about uh, in terms of how do we make our salespeople more effective when they're in, in front of customers. Uh, sales operations is efficiency, which I've talked about, but the effectiveness part is very important and sales enablement should play a much bigger role. And so, so instead of, yes, another quota carrying head, maybe it makes a lot more sense to invest in a sales enablement person that can help develop your salespeople. So the existing salespeople you have can be more successful. Again, back to that idea that it's not always about throwing more bodies in the future of sales is much more about precision. Uh, it's much more about broad-based participation of the sellers in terms of hitting the number and much less about um, individual heroic sellers getting the sales organization over their number. So I think um, the, the idea of precision and productivity are going to be central themes uh, in the future. And in fact, at Summit in May, uh, I will unveil, uh, a, we're doing a presentation called The Future of Sales, where I'm going to unveil uh, the five Ps of the future of sales, which involve how to actually execute to be able to address some of the dynamics that we've been talking about on this podcast. Is there anything specific to the skill set of the seller that you haven't covered, Phil, that we should also note here? Like, new skills or, you know, maybe legacy skills that should be sunset? You know, I think some of the, the, the being a digital, uh, you know, you, clearly a, a, a skill going forward has to be your comfort using digital uh, in engaging with the technology, right? Um, and that's not to say you, anybody can learn that, but, but it has to be a very important skill set because look at what buyers are doing. Your buyers are online. They're, they're spending more time investigating your products and solutions about finding out about your company, about finding out about you as a seller and whether you are someone who can add value. And that means that you as a, a seller have to be very comfortable engaging that buyer in the digital sphere via things like LinkedIn, for example. You, know, you have to establish yourself as a thought leader before you are going to be able to engage that buyer. And that's very different. It's, it's much more you have to give to a buyer before you'll get anything in return. And that means you have to be able to be very comfortable in the digital sphere. The other thing is you have to really understand your buyer at a very uh, at a much deeper level than you did before. I'm not talking about the roles and titles and things like that. I'm talking about being able to see through their eyes and really be able to understand the context with which they're in and be able to establish how 
through your business acumen as a seller, how you can help that buyer solve their problems. And that requires a much higher level of knowledge. It's not good enough just to be able to rattle off the speeds and feeds of your product. You have to be able to contextualize and say, I understand your problems. I'm an expert in your industry or in your, about your role. I've helped many buyers like you, and I can help you solve your problems and get the right to do that, uh, which takes a lot more work up front than, uh, than it did before. So I think those are two uh, big skill set that are going to be required. The other one probably, and this is might sound a little bit out of left field, but it is organization. I think I think your ability to be organized as a salesperson is going to be much more important increasingly in the future because there's so much more data coming at you. There's so much more technology that's being utilized and you have to be able to seamlessly use that uh, technology and the data that's being given to be able to um, uh, engage that buyer in the way they want and to use your time effectively. So I think organization is a skill you probably don't always hear, but I think it's, you know, if you think about the ability to engage digitally is going to be increasingly important, which is uh, no doubt. There's no doubt that your ability to have business acumen and understanding of that buyer's context is being raised because if you don't, you don't add much more value than what they can get on the website. Um, and then I think your, your ability as a seller to be extremely organized and be able to take lots of different inputs that are coming at you from different technology and different data and be able to use that effectively when you're engaging with that buyer is going to be very important too. So I think those are three skills. There are others as well, but those are three, I think, very important ones thinking in the future of what sellers need to be comfortable and, and skills competencies they need to have in order to be effective with uh, the modern buyer. Yeah. And on that second point, on the business acumen point, I mean, what I hear when you're describing that is a level of empathy that maybe sellers have not had previously or needed to have previously in, in interactions. I guess I would say that, I mean, what's interesting is I, I think I think the best sellers have always been uh, empathetic. The, the, the ability to connect with people and empathize and say, I understand you. I think what is different in the future is that is empathy on a higher level. I mean, you have to prove that you really understand more about them than you did before. I think the bar was relatively low to establish a connection and to prove your, that you're empathetic at a seller level. I think in the future, because of the just so much information out there, I think you have to it, it forces you as a salesperson to raise their game. I mean, you have to, if, if all you can talk about is product or connect at a very superficial level about the role and about seeing through their eyes, which again, that's always been important in sales. I'm not saying, oh, see through your buyer's eyes. That's always been important. But I think is what's changing is you have to be much better at it and much deeper at it than you were before because of the access to information that's out there. And buyers are so busy, if they don't feel like you're going to add value to them above and beyond what they can get from either peers or through reading on the internet about your company, then they have no use for you. And so, and, and you have to establish that. So your ability as a salesperson to, to really demonstrate through what you publish, the content you send, uh, your engagements with, with your um, buyer, that you're someone who is really an expert and can help them navigate these complex choices of, that are out there and the multitude of options that they're looking at and ultimately make the right decision for them based on them trusting you, I think that bar has just been raised and is going to be continually be raised uh, significantly uh, in, in the future. The other thing, you know, I, one other thing I'll point out is, and I think it's exciting, is I think, and I'm going to talk more about this at Summit, in all my experience in sales, there's two this great salespeople, the difference between high performers and, and average performers, to me, I boil it down to two things. One is high performers spend spend a lot more time with customers. It sounds obvious, but they they really spend a lot more time prospecting and getting in front of 
of buyers than low performers or average performers. The other thing that they do is they do a much better job qualifying. They ask um, good questions and they listen better than average salesperson. And when they're asking those questions, they're diagnosing to see if they can help that buyer, but they're also qualifying to establish whether or not they want to invest their time. They see their time as their most precious asset. And I think in the future, what's exciting is technology should be able to aid salespeople increasingly in that qualification and in that ability to prospect to, 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 because a lot of sales is about trying to sleuth and understand, is this person through the questions I ask, do they have a problem I can solve? And are they someone who can buy? And is it painful enough that they want to solve it right away? And I think technology in the future can really help salespeople use their time in a much more effective way to engage buyers who truly are ready to be engaged and want to buy. And I think that's a big difference, uh, which is tremendously exciting. Back to the idea of precision that I was talking about. Um, uh, I think there's going to be so many exciting advances in sales around the idea of precision and putting reps on opportunities that are ready to work, be worked for buyers who want to buy versus spending a lot of time trying to understand whether this person is truly the right person to engage with. So, so I'm uh, very exciting things that are, that are happening, I think in the future to help sellers become more productive. That's super exciting. I'm really stoked about your, uh, your session at, at summit. That will be great to, to unveil some additional research around this. So let's close with investment and budget. Where should sales leaders be prioritizing their funds to succeed in the future, given all of the dynamics that we just covered? I think one is you have to, sales leader, you have to think about um, investing, making sure you have a robust sales operations organization. And if you're somebody who's not process oriented, if that's not your slant or your comfort area is not process, you need to make sure you've invested heavily in sales operations and surrounding yourself with a good sales operations um, subfunction that can actually build those processes for you, right? And really make sure that they're being adhered to. For example, when I say processes, you have to have a buyer-driven sales process that's being utilized, or you need to have a good handoff process between marketing and sales for opportunities that have been generated by marketing. So you, you really have to invest in strong um, capabilities around process definition, and that's typically in the sales operations group. The second thing you have to do is invest in technology. And, and, and what's, what's hard, I think, is not, there's so many sales technologies out there right now and sales leaders are getting inundated. That's what they tell me, my clients, they're getting just pounded by sales tech vendors trying to reach them about the same pitch so we can help you with sales productivity. What's important is not just to throw lots of money at the problem. It's after you define those processes, identify and prioritize which technology investments are required that will have the biggest impact, that will actually make the job of the rep easier. And I think I say that very consciously, make the job of the rep easier. It's not about making it easier for the sales leader to see what the rep is doing or you know, what does the forecast look like from the rep's perspective. And that's a lot of where CRM started. No, it's about how do you make your reps more productive? How do you free them up? So you have to be thinking, okay, I've got to make sure I invest in sales operations so that they can put in place those processes. And I need to invest in technology, the right ones, not spend willy-nilly, prioritize which investments that can take advantage of those process improvements that I put in place, and that will make the reps' lives easier. So be seller-friendly. So that technology investment should then yield data and insights. And how do you make sure you give those insights to the sellers to enable them to engage those buyers in the way the buyers expect, which is that hyper-personalized type of interaction 
that we started this conversation in. So, so clearly, I think those are two. The, the, the third one I would just say is beyond technology is that sales enablement capability is do you have a good sales enablement group? Do you understand the competencies of each role that you have? And for example, if the digital uh, capabilities or you know, virtual engaging with buyers virtually is something that your reps are used to field sales, they need to bone up on and understand, then you have to make sure you're developing and increasing your investment in your people through good enablement. And that means truly understand the competencies, which are the knowledge, skills, and process uh, uh, process expertise that each of those positions, customer-facing positions require in order for those sellers to be successful and that you make sure you're hiring for those competencies, you're developing on onboarding for those competencies, and then on an ongoing basis, you're helping your people uh, improve in those areas so that they can be successful. So it's a mindset shift from let's throw more bodies, more people at this and rely on a very small set to hit their numbers. The other will churn out and we'll just keep hiring new people to a mind shift of saying, I look at my people, I want every single one of them to be successful. And a way I'm going to do is invest in process and technology and enablement so that I don't need to have people turning over all the time and I need to throw bodies. I'm gonna work smarter instead of just the way it's been done. So that's the prioritization of what they need to be thinking about going forward. Excellent, well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, a lot of fun. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.